as entrepreneurs, all of us have a lot of challenges to overcome. And today's guest is going to show you how to overcome challenges. And he's got a lot of personal experience. He grew up in a family of nine kids outside New York. I want you to imagine that at the age of 11, your father coming home after you know, a successful career as a, owning a dealership, a car dealer, and telling you that he has six weeks to live and then dies. How would that change your life? Well, those early entrepreneurial experiences with Rick Sapio, our next guest, made all the difference in the world, not only for all of those nine children doing well, thriving and surviving in today's world, but his four kids. And he's on a mission to help all his fellow entrepreneurs as well as every household in the world have at least one entrepreneur. That's over a billion. Please join me. I'm John Bowen, and we're here at AESNation.com, and you don't want to miss this. Ordinary success? No way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional breakthroughs. Dig deep. Think bold. Drive hard. Watch yourself soar beyond your dreams. AESNation.com. Rick Sapio, thank you for joining me today. I, I'm really excited to have you here. You, know, you and I have known each other both through mutual friends, and we finally connected a little while ago, and you're out there making a difference. So thank you, first of all, for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Well, t tell me, Rick, you know, you, you, you're out there, and, and I want to get a little bit of background. I mean, you know, how you became what you are today. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I started, I mean, you shared with me just before we went on, uh, turned on the cameras that, you know, just an amazing story of growing up in a large household, which is enough of a challenge, but to do, you know, with, and I mentioned your dad passing away and, and then your mom too, and, you know, outside of New York, I mean, all the things that could have happened, you know, t tell me how you got to where you are today. And then really the, the big single lesson that helped you get through all this. I think, first of all, that the greatest gift that any parent could give any child is the gift of independence through entrepreneurship. And at a very early age, my dad took me to the office with him. And he had me come to meetings with him. And he owned a dealership, a car dealership. So you can imagine in a dealership environment, there's a lot happening. You got finance, you got parts, you have automobiles being repaired and cleaned, you got real estate always negotiating with somebody. He was always talking. And I learned to pick up a lot of cues. I saw thousands of repetitions as a kid because I loved more than school. Because I, liked this, I liked school. I was one of those weirdos. But I liked being at his shop uh, more than anything else in the world. And so I felt like, you know, when I was 9 or 10 and I was in important meetings, I felt like a businessman. That's how I felt. And so when he came home with the news when I was 11, he, he announced it to the family because he wasn't feeling well, he went to the doctor, and they said, you've got terminal cancer. And after he passed away, there was never a moment of, you know, I feel sorry for myself. He had taught us to be independent and entrepreneurial. And the only reason I'm pointing that out is because today, most parents, at least what I can see and read, observe for myself, is that parents 
don't want their kids to scrape their knees at all. They don't want anything in the way, so they'll put pillows around them just in case they fall down, which is the absolute opposite of what happened to me and all my siblings. So if I fast forward today, 38 years later after he died, all of us are successful, all of us are married, zero divorces, and there's varying degrees of success, but there's no drug addiction, there's no jail time, there's no chaos. And I attribute all of that to our parents teaching us independence. And just one very quick story. Uh, I'm in first grade. It's the, it's the first day of school. And I'm all excited. I'm in first grade. And my mother takes me down in the basement. And she goes, tomorrow's your first day of school. I go, great. She goes, there's a lot of kids in the house. And I'm not ever going to do your wash ever again. So let me teach you how to do wash. And... That is just one of a hundred stories I can give you about what our parents taught us. And so then I go to college 12 years later, and my roommate would drive 200 miles home <laughs> so his mommy and daddy could wipe his butt and do his laundry. And that's what parents are doing to kids today. They are ruining them. No, it's, it is. We are you know, certainly influenced by our early years in childhood and families. And, you know, some of the most successful entrepreneurs do come from entrepreneurial families because they have a leg up. And, you know, even though it was at a young age that you lost your dad, who, you know, was an entrepreneur and brought all those lessons home. I mean, you took those. I mean, what, what would you say, you know, the number one lesson that you got from your dad that has just really helped you in all the businesses that you've done, Rick? The thing I remember most about my dad is he got up at 5.30 every morning. He put on a suit and he left for work. He always got an early start and he would always say to me, uh, early to bed, early to rise, and you know, the early bird gets the biggest worm and things like that. So even if I don't work uh, a full week, sometimes I have a short week because I have a big family and whatnot, I always go to work early. And I think starting early and getting things done before people are in the office, for me, has been the most important lesson that he taught me, which I execute on daily. Yeah, no, it's uh, one of the things, uh, uh, a good friend of mine, a former research director, Russ Allen Prince, and uh, his, uh, one of my former, actually uh, head of marketing when I first kicked this off, Louis Schiff wrote a book on the the influence of affluence and they did this huge study of all these affluent individuals and they found after doing all this regression analysis and cluster analysis that the one number one uh, factor was hard work i mean you got to show up you got to actually do it and you know we wish there was a lot of secrets but i mean that's one that you know as entrepreneurs as we get frustrated sometime it's not happening just you know, going out and making it happen uh, is being there. Now, Rick, you've had you know, and have a number of companies and so on. You know, t tell me about a significant challenge that, that you personally had in your business that really shaped you into what you are today. A negative challenge is what you're talking about, right? Well, it can um, be a positive one, but mostly it's negative ones that yeah, you know, do all I, the shaping for us here. <laughs> inside Business Finishing School, we've trademarked this thing called values-based decision-making. And we've come up with a way to describe it called the doorman principle. And the doorman principle is about coming up with a set of values to guide all decisions in your life. And if you can imagine that your life is a room and every single person that you let into your life comes into the room through one door and there's no way out. 
if you knew that every person that you're going to do business with was going to stay in the room of your life forever, would you be more careful with who you let in? And so the doorman principle is about taking the list of values that you want to make decisions from, handing that to an imaginary doorman and saying, don't let anybody into the room of my life unless they align with, with my values. And I will tell you, I started thinking about the doorman principle and values-based decision-making as a kid because I was seventh. And I watched all the mistakes that my older siblings make. And I will tell you that every single solitary mistake I have ever made in my life, and I made some big ones, which I'm about to tell you about, all were caused when I let someone into my life that didn't align with my values. And the mistake happens when we choose opportunity, i.e. the amount of money that we're going to make, over values. So we'll say things to ourselves like, yeah, she's a really good salesman, though. I know she doesn't align with our values, but she's going to be great. And then that person wreaks havoc on your organization. Or, you know, I really love her family. I don't really love her so much, but I'll marry her because her family has wealth. And you know where that's going. How many people get married when there's a values misalignment? So I believe, uh, I go to Warren Buffett's meeting every year. Berkshire Hathaway, and he has a phrase, he says, uh, don't make big investment mistakes. That's rule number one. Mm -hmm. And rule number two is always remember rule number one. So we've kind of changed it to our version of it is don't make big values mistakes. That's rule number one. Rule number two is always remember rule number one. So uh, about 20 years ago, I hired a CEO to run one of our companies. I have a holding company and absolutely phenomenal on paper unbelievable on paper and after interviewing him a bunch of times my gut was telling me he, he's not going to work out so I decided to override the executive team and we're going to bring this person on and the executive team fought me and fought me and fought me but I had the ultimate decision and I said you know what 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 harm could this guy do and this particular guy uh, got our company into a lawsuit pretty quickly that ended up costing the company 20 million dollars now, that's a big deal when you're me because at the time I owned 70% of the business. And all of that was caused because I allowed someone to come into my firm that didn't align with my values. And you could use values-based decision-making for any scenario, for partners, for vendors, for employees, for business deals of all kinds, for anything. Right, Rick, because, I mean, I, as you're saying it, you know, and I, I know all my fellow entrepreneurs, whether on the video or on the audio side, you know, they're, they're listening to this and they're going, okay, have I ever left my values? You know, that doorman, he didn't have the values. He wasn't checking as people came in. And, and I mean, I have a few images. I'm not going to share you, with you the stories today here because I want you to share your experiences. But, I mean, these people are dancing through my head that have cost me, you know, millions of dollars too. And, and it's just, you know, it's so easy as entrepreneurs that, you know, we're, we're out there in the marketplace, the more success you have, the more you attract people. And it's, it's amazing how good people can dress up to, um, particularly if they have, they don't have the values. It's a lot easier to con people when you have no values or very low values. And, you know, this is something that's so important. I'd encourage everyone to really think about. I mean, it's uh, today's world. We nobody accomplishes great things with one person. We have to have a team, both internal and oftentimes strategic partners, joint venture partners and so on. And and boy, having the right people aligned, magic can happen. 
But as Rick and I can tell you, <laughs> and I'm sure most of the entrepreneurs here have already had that experience. I do want to add, John, that Go ahead. all, in my belief, all of us have to lock ourselves in a room somewhere for whether it's an hour or a week and come up with that set of values that you're going to make decisions from. And I've taught this to thousands and thousands of people and only a, handf a handful have actually stopped what they're doing and came up with that list. And until you have that list, there's nothing to hand to your imaginary dormer and there's nothing from which to make decisions from. And, you know, I've had people say, well, yeah, I understand that, but it's not a big deal. Me and my wife divorced years ago. I go, yeah, you divorced years ago, but how do you feel about it? I hate her guts. You're still carrying around those decisions that you made when you violated your values. And you carry it around with you forever. So I would assert that if we could stop and draw a line in the sand right now, that from this day forward, I'm only making business decisions and personal decisions consistent with my values, I promise you that the compounding effect of that is so massive, it makes, you know, Albert Einstein's rule of compounding interest and money, you know, small relative to the compounding interest of aligned decisions around your values. How much money will that put in your pocket long term? It's so easy to get caught. I mean, I had a conversation yesterday with a very famous entrepreneur that we all know. And he was telling me a story where he had entrusted someone, and I won't share because he didn't say it was public, but entrusted, you know, and, and really didn't have the, your doorman. He, you know, he should have hired you for the doorman, Rick alone, because it was over $100 million. And I mean, I'm listening to it, and it's just so painful. And fortunately, the guy is a very successful, so he can weather the storm. But boy, you know, it, it didn't have to be. And it was a short-term opportunity. He did. And... You know, there all of a sudden, you know, he didn't have that framing, didn't have the valued, you know, conversation ahead of time or the structure, and then certainly didn't have that doorman. You know, let's go on, you know, I mean, you've, you've started a number of different companies and, you know, I want to get some of your best advice for entrepreneurs. I mean, what are some of the key drivers, you know, successful entrepreneurs that are watching and listening to us today, you know, they've already got businesses, they're having success. Sometimes they hit that ceiling of complexity that Dan Sullivan at Strategic Coach talks about that, you know, you get a lot of things going on, your life becomes a little bit crazy. And I mean, I'm thinking you must be used to crazy with all the kids that you grew up with, yeah. <laughs> you know, the big, large families and so on. And you've started you know, a number of business, successful businesses, yeah, what would be some of the advice that, you know, how to break through kind of the, not only go to the next level of success, but really skip some levels? Yeah, let me put it all in perspective for you. So I have four kids and they're ages six, four, two, and eight months today. Now, now you look pretty relaxed for all that. Right? <laughs> uh, I also, in my holding company, we, we own all of or part of 35 companies. So that's a holding company that I started that I'm still majority owner 21 and a half years later. So there's a lot of potential complexity. However, what I like to do, and I've been this way since I was young, is I look at my list of values and I've created for entrepreneurs and for myself, obviously, I call it the business lens. I put every decision I make through the business lens. And the business lens is just three words, and anybody can use this. And in fact, I go to friends' offices, and they have the three words on their uh, computer screen. Simplicity, probability, and leverage. 
And the question I ask myself when I put something through the business lens, number one, is this decision going to add simplicity to my life? Now, when I look at our private equity fund, we make an investment in one out of 400 companies that we look at. That's one out of 400. Yet, most entrepreneurs say yes to everything. You know, we're, we're addicted to yes. But if you put things through this lens, your uh, nose will radically increase. I love the Steve Jobs quote when he said, I am so much more proud of the thousands of things we said no to than the handful of things we said yes to. And so this decision-making lens of simplicity, probability, and leverage will help you tremendously. So number one, will this decision add simplicity to my life? If the answer is no, then don't do it. Number two, probability. Will this decision increase the probability that my company will grow in a predictable way? So oftentimes we make decisions because, you know, we heard a speaker or we're chasing some blinky, shiny object or it's the next greatest thing. Nonsense. Simplicity, probability, and leverage. The last one is leverage. You're exhibiting it right now on this call. Leverage is about using other people or other companies to get your message out. So when you use simplicity, probability, and leverage, and the decisions that you make are increasing in those three areas somehow, I believe it's a good decision. But I think we make decisions in a vacuum. We use gut. We use uh, relationships way too much. And the question, in addition to that, that you have to ask yourself is, am I chasing opportunity or am I chasing values? Now, once you've established that, you then go through the lens, simplicity, probability, and leverage. I have to tell you, John, it has served me well. I have had people, they, uh, this has happened to me now three times, they've said, uh, I want to follow you around. I want to see what it's like you know, to, to shout at you. And I'm like, I live a really boring life. <laughs> I get up at 5.30, I have dinner with my family every night, and that's a fact. And in between, it's pretty boring because my schedule's pretty well laid out because everything is on weekly and rhythmic calls. And sure enough, they're like, I, I just want to follow you around. And they were bored out of their minds because I like to make decisions that add simplicity, probability, and leverage. Now, you have to decide for you what is your number one value. Mine, as you can probably already tell, my number one primary value for all decisions that I make in my life is simplicity. I want to keep things simple. I live very close to my office. My wife and I, although we have young kids, the school is very close to us. We don't do a lot of activities with them. We like to have family dinner. We like to play in the yard. And that's, uh, you know, that's how we like to do it. We like to keep things simple. Yours may be something else, but I promise you it's not chaos, which is where most entrepreneurs reside. And that chaos is killing you. It's killing your marriage. It's killing your relationships with your kids. It's killing your opportunities to get things done. So I think that this message can serve anyone, especially in this crazy yeah, world. I, I really like that a lot, Rick. I haven't heard you say it that way. And I mean, uh, you and I are totally aligned on this. I, I, I think of the concept, uh, I'm not sure who said it uh, first, but you know, to be on the right side of complexity. And you know, as entrepreneurs, we, we get, you know, when we first start out, yeah, it, it, we, we measure our success by activity because we don't have money coming in. <laughs> We're out there doing all kinds of things and how many things can we get going? And then all of a sudden that complexity hits. And for many, it's overwhelming. And if somehow you work through it, the only way you really work through it and have big success is to get on the right side of complexity that's simple again. And, 
And, you know, uh, the, our fellow entrepreneurs listening to this, they, they know, I mean, you know, I mean, there isn't a day. I mean, I just got yesterday a great opportunity to acquire a company and I, and I, uh, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, this, this is, this would be phenomenal. Well, then I went ahead and, uh, you know, I immediately, I went to quality of life, which I, I think you and I are the same on simplicity. How would it affect my quality of life? It would totally screw mine up. Uh, I'd have to go hop on a plane and I'd show up for months on end in this place that I don't want to be. And, you know, it's those type of things and whatever framework, I mean, I, you know, your business lens, simplicity, probability and leverage is a great one. Other people might have different, but boy, you got to have that because, you know, you can set yourself up to so much failure. Yeah, I want to just share an analogy that will work for people that I, I hope that they think about it from this perspective. Uh, Ronald Reagan was a famous president, as we all know. But what a lot of people don't know is uh, he realized that regulators and lawmakers add laws upon laws upon laws upon laws. And it becomes this crazy mountain of uh, nonsense that no one could really sift through. And so when he became president, a lot of people don't know this, but he eliminated thousands of federal laws. He was the first president to literally just eliminate them, to add some simplicity, and it actually oiled the economy. Well, using that analogy, I think that people don't realize that the complexities they're adding to their personal and business life, whether it's technology and Facebook, you know, I didn't, when I first got into business, I didn't worry about anything but my phone, but then I had a fax to worry about, then I had a computer to worry about, then I had email to worry about, and then texting, and then voicemails, and then Facebook, and then this, and that, and this, and it's complexity upon complexity. And we've decided in my firm to eradicate all that. And this is gonna come as a surprise to everyone listening. I have yet to buy a smartphone. That adds too much complexity to my life. And the reason I've done that is I've realized that it doesn't fit my simplicity, probability, and leverage uh, uh, lens at all. And has it made me more effective? Absolutely. If I got up in the morning and had to look at that damn phone, is that going to add simplicity, probability, and leverage to my marriage? No. So, you know, everybody has to find what works for them. But I think what's missing for most people is they're not adding consciousness to their actions. And that's why I wanted to share that analogy. I'm a big believer in this being successful on purpose. And this is taking the time to think through what you've thought through, Rick, and just you know creating that framework. And once you have the framework, then it's really easy to make decisions. It's really easy to take action. And it's really, you know, you can have a great life. And then, you know, so often we get caught up and we start thinking, you know, geez, we're, you know, we're, we're in business to have more business. We want to be more successful. We're going to have more money and all this. And I know when you're struggling, having some money is very important. But for most everybody that's on this, you've already got the basics taken care of. We're in business to support the quality of life that we want. So that, you know, your family, your community, you know, the things that you care about, all the stakeholders, obviously your clients and customers, your teammates. But, you know, be successful on purpose really take the time to think this through and, yeah. and take a stand for something like for example as you're i'm learning about you on this call too you and i are similar in this but i would never trade complexity for money ever mm -hmm. you show me a business deal that adds complexity to my life and it's an immediate no yet 99 out of 100 entrepreneurs would say yes because they're not thinking 
along the lines of values-based decision-making. Well, I can tell you there was a time when I did 120 due diligence trips flying all over the country doing deals that I had missed that point. And I was never more (laughs) miserable in my life making more money than I've ever dreamed that I could make. And it's just, you know, so I ended up getting out of that. But, you know, this this is where... You know, what we're both Rick and I are saying is, you know, let's just a little simple assessment. Are, are you, you know, what are your values? How are you designing your business to support that? And, and in every decision, you have a framework to really make some decisions so that they're on track. Yeah, Rick, what I'd like to do, let me do this one. I'd like to have you share with us, you know, kind of the book of the day. You know, what, what do you, you know, what, you know, you're a reader, you're out there, a lifelong learner. What would be the book that you would recommend to your fellow entrepreneurs? Well, to stay consistent with the theme, and I really am and have been accused of being a simple guy, uh, I ask my employees, my executive team, every month we read a new book. And I would encourage all of you to do that. We, we all read a book together, and at the end of the month, we discuss the book, and we see how we can implement that into our culture. And so that's 12 books a year. Well, it's interesting because my executives, before they worked here, they never read two books a year. In general, most people don't read in today's culture because we're so busy. But the book of the month, uh, for the month of, uh, that we're doing this interview, is The Speed of Trust by Stephen Covey's son. And The Speed of Trust talks about Companies that have a lot of trust inside their culture, when you look at their stock market performance, and there was a study done that the book references, they're 300% more uh, successful as determined by their stock price than companies that have low trust. And what that means is when there's a lot of trust on your team and a lot of trust in your marriage and a lot of trust with your friends and family, things just happen that normally wouldn't happen in a positive way. The corollary corollary is also true. When there's a lot of distrust, things don't happen. So I want you to think right now about a relationship with somebody business-wise where there's no trust. And think about how hard it is to get things done. Now think about a relationship where there's a lot of trust and how easy it is. You don't have to check your I's and T's and all that crap. You have the opportunity to only deal with people where there's a lot of trust. That's where you're going to get simplicity, probability, and leverage. So I highly recommend the book. No, it's a great book. I you know, read it. It's been out, I don't know for how long, but a, a fair amount of time. And I, I love the analogy. I mean, all of us have done business deals. And many of us have done business deals that we regret with people that didn't share our values and who we hadn't yet built up trust. On the other hand, I recently did something in a media side with people who I hadn't talked with probably in six or seven years, but we've known each other for 25 years. We've had a, you know, we've done a number of deals together and it was just a quick phone call. We agreed and, you know, a letter of understanding instead of all the documents and so on that you would do. And, and it's just, it's fun. You know, I mean, they return the phone calls. We talk, we have a good time. We're making, you know, having some big success. A problem came up, you know, Quick conversation, we figure out how to deal with it instead of all the other things with the people who don't share the values who you haven't developed the trust relationship with. 
Let, let me go. You've got a lot going on, uh, Rick, and I want to point out some of the... Let me go to the next segment. What resources do you have, you know, with all the different companies, you know, uh, that you could help uh, your fellow entrepreneurs? Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to share this, John, so thank you for the forum. Uh, about five years ago, I decided that I wanted to share all the things that I had learned my whole life uh, with the entrepreneurial community. And so I have made a lot of mistakes. And one thing that I've learned is people don't normally make the same mistake twice. They make it 15 or 20 times. But what I wanted to do is share those mistakes so you don't have to make them 15 or 20 times. So I've got over 40 years of business experience. I've invested in over 80 companies. I've started over 20. We currently own 35. And what I did was I created a 48-module program to teach you the foundational principles of business as I see them. And it's called Business Finishing School. So I'd love it if you would join that program, share it. It's phenomenal. It's been going for four years. We've had a thousand people through it. And basically, we're teaching you very simple things that you can put on the ground tomorrow. Nothing about anything that I teach is difficult. But it's interesting, John. Nothing is difficult about losing weight. All you have to do is eat less and exercise more. What's harder, though, is the accountability. People miss that piece. So we've actually built into Business Finishing School an accountability component so you won't miss it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a community of learners, basically, that are learning foundational principles of business. So I just pulled up on the screen, Rick, your charity, the uh, abillionentrepreneurs.com. And uh, I'll tell you, I didn't know this about you. I mean, we've known each other. You didn't bring this up to me. And I, I'm pretty excited about this for you, what you're, the impact that you're making. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, very simply, I wanted to give a gift to the world that my parents gave to me, and that's the gift of entrepreneurship. So we've created a charity. Most charities give things away. This is a charity to teach people how to be entrepreneurs by first finding their purpose and then using that purpose to create a business that exchanges value with people. So a billion entrepreneurs has a 20-year vision to have an entrepreneur in every home. And we've guesstimated that there's about a billion homes. So that's why we named it a billion entrepreneurs. And I know it's bold, but you got to start somewhere. And we're looking for positive people to help us spread this massive message. No, it's, I mean, and it, you know, just think of the, how the world would change if we had that many entrepreneurs going or when we have that many. Let me go ahead and summarize what we've talked about here. These are the key takeaways. I mean, from each of these, you know, at AESNation.com, I want you to walk, your fellow entrepreneurs, to walk away with some really good insights. And I'll tell you, I got some great entrepreneurial insights from Rick. I mean, number one, the, I love the doorman values. And, you know, imagine that you've, you know, you're, you've got a doorman wherever you live, that is making sure, you know, your business and personal life, they're not coming in unless they're aligned with your values. And what are your values? And commit, as Rick asked you to put those in writing so you know clearly. Second, love the business lens. I mean, this is really powerful. You have to have some type of value-based decision metrics that you're going to evaluate all the opportunities that are coming to you. And what Rick uses, number one, simplicity. I mean, how is it going to affect his life? 
two, probability of advancing and achieving those values and goals that you have for your business in a predictable way. And three, leverage, can you scale up? And then lastly, the power of no. I mean, this is amazing. So Rick, I wanna thank you for uh, taking the time today out of your busy schedule to join us and really share some amazing insights. Well, thanks for having me, John. I've appreciated uh, getting to know you here and the alignment that we both have. So I look forward to doing business with you. And we will, and, and definitely everyone out there, your clients and your future clients are counting on you. Make sure you execute this. If you want any additional information, go over to AESNation.com. We have all the show notes, and let's go out and make a difference. Exceptional, remarkable breakthroughs. AESNation.com